y'all. It's Sarah. And Cassie. Welcome to Soul Connections Podcast, where today we have an episode that is near and dear to our hearts, as it is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, and we wanted to share this episode with you. If you have been listening along, you would know that Cassie and I, we did meet at an eating disorder treatment center, so obviously today and during this week, we will be discussing more in depth about eating disorders, the causes, misconceptions, as well as our own experiences, and and so much more. Yeah, um, so I kind of wanted to start this with a question, and that would be, what do you think about when you hear eating disorder? Um... I know that before I was diagnosed or even before I acknowledged my own eating disorder, I thought of the stereotypical, you know, the teenage girl who wants to look like a magazine cover, so she either starves herself or would throw up her food. Um, So basically, all I thought about was anorexia or bulimia. Um, However, this is just totally inaccurate, and while there, those are some factors in eating disorders, it's not the whole story, like not even a smidgen into it. Um, I can remember the first time that I learned about eating disorders in high school, which was actually, I had been struggling with an eating disorder when I was learning about them, but I learned about it, about it in such a shameful way. And the comments that were made in class were super awful. Like, why would anybody ever do this to themselves? Like, that's disgusting. Like, so many comments. And the interesting thing is, is that, like, yeah, I was struggling too, and I actually thought those things. But, like, there was probably so many other girls or boys in that class who were also struggling that, like, didn't want to admit it yet. Um, Or even, like, saw it as, like, what they were doing was an issue. So I just thought it was interesting because, like, I... I was struggling, but I also was learning about them in such a different way. Like, oh, I would never do that. Like, that's wild. I would never do that. Um, Anyway, but that was, like, kind of my first experience, like, learning about it in an educated setting. But honestly, it wasn't very educated and and not the best. But um, that was my experience. But, Sarah, do you remember what yours was? Yeah, actually, as you're talking, because I was like, ah, I don't remember, but it was also, um, yeah, high school. I think it was 10th grade, and of course, you know, health class, football, coach, teaching it, you know, just the facts, and put, plug in a video and, and watch. And I mean, at that time, though, I was definitely already in my eating disorder, so it wasn't something that had started it or sparked it, Um if anything, it kind of made me want to be more secretive, like the fear of other people knowing about those things or the reality that I actually had a problem. And I think for so long I was like, uh, I, it started out not even, I, I just didn't realize that that was a thing. It was just what I did. It was my way of life. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm having so many thoughts because then also, yeah, like that was the first time, I guess, education-wise learning about it. Um, but it's making me also think just um, kind of how before that, um, like just the whole comparison and, and fitting in and then also uh, just different sports and activities and even the parents, the moms, teachers, coaches, like 
uh, although I've had really amazing coaches throughout my life and everything like that, but, and, and great teachers, but I think just the, the influence of people maybe even inadvertently like saying things in comments just because it's normal and to be a certain way Mm, in society and, um, all of that, even from my very own parents. Like I, I feel like we could go so many places with like diet culture, the way we were raised and comparison and, um, and I mean the whole thing about today is that basically it's not about the food. Like, yeah, we're going to talk about eating disorders. We're going to talk about kind of maybe how it started for us or maybe what it started out as. And then ultimately realizing that it's not about the food and, and what's underneath that. And I don't think I even realized that it wasn't about the food until I came to terms with, um, I guess, that I actually had a problem and what was underneath that. But even then, the first time I was in treatment, uh, I still it was still just about the food for me. And I just wanted to hurry up and like, get out of there, like Mm -hmm. do it all perfectly and be super compliant and then go so that I could go back to those things. So, um, but yeah, actually, uh, just like speaking of health and like health class, being a health teacher myself throughout the years, every time we would get to that topic of eating disorders and mental health, um, all the textbooks, even now, today, are so outdated and just basic, just, oh, either anorexic or bulimic and very um, skim the surface. And really, there's so much more. And so eating disorders cover so much more than just that. And it's not just um, one body type or one person. And we'll get to that. Whereas like this week, with it being National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, the theme is everybody has a seat at the table. And like eating disorders don't discriminate. It's it's not male or female. It's, it doesn't discriminate gender, race, um, religion, age. Um, yeah. So, but like being a health teacher myself, um, kind of expanding that that knowledge base and making it less of a shameful thing and less of a taboo and, um, bringing about like the reality, like it's okay to struggle, but like to speak out and get help because I just remember it being such a shameful thing and like not something that any, anyone would allow to be open about. So I don't know. There's so much there, especially with this being, um, like what we struggle with. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, I love what you said about how eating disorders don't discriminate and it's so taboo. Like, they're, I know, stereotypical, you know? Like, people think of eating disorders and they think of one body type, they think of one thing, but there's just so much more. And, and also, like, even what's underneath that, like, why, why do you have an eating disorder? Why do I have an eating disorder? You know, like, it's not like since we're all so unique and we all are our own individuals and have had different life circumstances and like have different genes and different parents and different, you know, lifestyles and, you know, everything is so different. So like, you know, why, like, what's the cause? Like it's literally not a one size fits all if we're going to go there. (laughs) Yeah. So like you can't just, it can't be just, like, one specific type because, like, there's just so much. There's, like, so many subtypes, even, like, with eating disorders, like, different types in that specific diagnosis. So, 
yeah, we kind of just wanted to, you know, end the stigma around that. And like, it is super, super tricky um, still to talk about. Sarah and I were just talking about this, actually. Like, I have a lot. I'm, a, I'm comfortable talking about, about the eating disorder because there was a time in my life, like, and we'll get into, like, our stories a little bit, but, like, the first time I was in treatment, like Sarah mentioned her first time, the first time I was in treatment, I didn't believe that I had an eating disorder. So, like... You're <laughs> like, why am I here? No, I... Yeah, I specifically, I can remember a group, and I have actually asked that therapist who was running that group if she remembers, and she does. But I was sitting in this group, so just, like, picture this as, like, you know, like, 13 girls in a group sitting, like, in a circle, and they were all talking about, I don't even know what kind of group it was, but something great, probably. (laughs) And, like, we did, like, a check-in question, so you say, hi, my name is Cassie, I'm feeling sad or whatever it is and then you answer the question and it was like which she probably didn't say sad she probably said content or happy oh yeah I definitely said I'm feeling good yeah I'm I'm feeling happy I'm fine (laughs) I'm always happy um oh yeah sorry I just had to put that plug in there but like she's she's good now like she can uh, the person I was in (laughs) I mean I might not express it on my face I might smile when I say I'm you know, severely depressed, but, (laughs) (laughs) but at least I'm saying it. Yeah. yeah, But the checking question was like something about the eating disorder and everybody was around and everybody was so vulnerable, like so vulnerable. And I was like sitting there like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad because I was like rolling my eyes. I was like, (laughs) this is stupid. And I was like, hi, my name is Cassie. I'm feeling happy and I don't know why I'm even here because I don't have an eating disorder. Mm. Every girl, like... You were were that one. I was that one. And I feel (laughs) so bad. And all the girls look at me and the therapist looks at me. And, like, are you kidding me? And I was just like, yeah, like, I don't know. And they're like, they don't just admit people, you know? Like, (laughs) you have to have an eating disorder. You, you know, you have to have been struggling with something. She's in the denial phase. Oh, Yeah. It was so much denial, but, like, it was probably because if I admitted it, then I would, like, that means, like, I would have it, and I would have to accept that I had it, and that would be so shameful because, like, I even, oh, I feel so bad. I've said this. I had my very, very, very first dietitian that I've ever seen. I went and saw her, and I was, like, I don't want to be, like, one of those girls, (laughs) (laughs) and she was like I'm sorry to break this to you but you are one of those girls and those are the best girls I've ever met in my life oh it was that's really yeah but seriously at at the time I was so so much in denial because I didn't want to feel that shame you know associated with it yeah yeah actually so we've been trying to record this a number of times (laughs) tonight it's been pretty rough and I I have to admit it's Mostly on my part, I like I know this is something that we had planned to talk about and it just happened to line up with this week with uh, eating disorder awareness and all that, which is great. Um, and it's it's something obviously when we want to talk about and like intuitive eating and how it's not about the food and like obviously, you know, some of the things we talk about with like trauma and working through and healing those things is because that's at the core of a lot of a lot of this. Um but I guess it's been hard. We've had to uh, stop, re-record, <laughs> try again. And uh, 
I, I just have to say, like, even though I am diving in and Cassie's so good to like help me stay with it as far as this podcast and like being committed and using our voices. But for some reason, you know, even though this has been a struggle that, uh, I don't know, it's been like 17 years of my life. Maybe that's what sometimes it's hard. It's more shameful than, um, I have a hard time, I guess, giving that grace and compassion, um, as I would to anyone else. But yeah, for some reason, this is just something that even though like I know the facts, I can be real with it and my own lived experience that, um, it can still be pretty, I guess, tricky to like speak about or to be real with among other things. So, um, I'm just, I'm just going to be real. I'm just going to put that out there. But I, I do want to say that, um, as we go into some of this and, if you're listening, I want you to know if food or the thought and idea of eating, if that causes you to be distressed, upset, or feel out of control, then it is a problem. And you are worthy of and deserving of help. You don't have to fit some stereotypical parameter to have an eating disorder or to get help and recover fully. Even if you just have disordered eating, or even if it's just not quite uh, diagnostic or whatnot, according to the DSM-5, you know, Mm -hmm. that like you are completely worthy of help and of recovering and not having to live in that, you know, cycle of, of that, um, even diet culture, even if it's just that, like just so many people live in that and get stuck in that. And sometimes even this past week, I think I asked my dietitian and my therapist, I was like, how come some people can just forever live in this cycle of like, oh, they can do intermittent fasting or they can eat clean and that be okay for them or they can eat only X, Y, Z and that's acceptable and they're healthy. Why can't I? Like, why can't that -hmm. just be fine and I just like live my life and not need you guys, like basically. Yeah. um, and And I think Cassie and I talked about it before doing this that it's similar to like, what, what were you saying? Yeah, like, I, I think I've heard this before, um, but it's like it's similar to somebody who suffers with alcoholism or who it's predisposed. Like, so if you have parents or grandparents that were alcoholics, then it's like in your genes to be, you know, more like prone to if you had a drink, how it would like trigger that in you. Right. Like one person could drink and they'll be an alcoholic. One person will be just fine. Yeah. And I mean, and we'll talk about it. It's not just genetics. I mean, it's a culmination again of like environment, nature, nurture, and genetics. But yeah, I think when she mentioned that, I was like, okay, you're right. And then once someone is, has gone through like alcoholism and is in recovery, you can't just be like, okay, we're just going to go to the bar and hang out and like just have a few drinks. Like, I guess... I guess it's the same idea, and sometimes it's hard for me to see that, like, how come everyone else in the world can be okay with it or be in denial, and they're fine and happy, you know, but... I saw this post on Instagram, and I forgot who posted it. I'll have to look it up, but it was, like, talking to somebody in eating disorder recovery about your diet is, like, talking to a recovering alcoholic about your plans to go to the bar over the weekend or the shots you had over the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. shots you had no, over I the think weekend. I that. Yeah. Which is so true. So many times I think especially because of like my career in um like fitness and coaching and all those things, a lot of my friends and uh, people that I um have connected through through the years, it's like 
a lot of our conversations will end up being about some diet plan or some fitness competition or, um, you know, something down. And that they're always like, oh yeah, Sarah, like do this with us or, oh, help me out with this. And a lot of times it's like, oh, I want to, or I want to, because like, that's normal, but, um, it, it messes me up and it's so, it's so tricky because it's so much like that, you know, fitness culture diet and all the, all the things. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, most people, won't ever like get to the point of needing to go to treatment or reach, you know, that thankfully. Um, but living a lifetime trapped in the throes of lies and the demands of diet culture is incredibly damaging and limiting to like all you can be and become. Um, and so I guess I just want to put a plug in there as we're going, like, I want to give you guys hope wherever you're at, even if it's not related to like eating, eating disorder diet, but like wherever you're at in your journey, if there's something that is causing you distress or, you know, hopelessness, that our hope is that you can seek um, to live a full life and to be free of those things. So if anything we share can like give you hope or direction and guidance to like how you can even do that for yourself, like don't be afraid to reach out for help. And I say that as I'm like thinking in my head how hard that is. And so I want to just like, yeah. It is super hard. And I also, like, want to bring up, like, you know, we are in our hope when we share things is that somebody will relate, you know? And then I just got to thinking, like, um, when I, you know, in high school was, like, thinking that I had an eating disorder, maybe I would, like, Google, like, do I have an eating disorder or, like, what does this like entail like what is the yeah. yeah and I would also find like YouTube videos of people like who were in recovery from eating disorders because I like felt like I was crazy and I just like wanted to find some relation so like I guess like if you're out there and you're and you're struggling you know and you might think that you have an eating disorder and you can relate to this or whatever like you know just know that you're not alone because you know you're not and eating disorders are tricky and mental illness in general and whatever illness or whatever addiction or thing that you're struggling with, like there's connection and you can, and you're not the only one. And I think once you realize that, like there's some hope there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you can find that connection by, you know, being vulnerable and by opening up and it's, it's a scary thing. Just like Sarah mentioned, like one of the scariest things to do is to, to open up and to, you know, share the stuff that you really don't want to share but then again like I think about it now and very few of my therapy sessions actually talk about the eating disorder actually probably none of them maybe like one in 20 sessions talk about the eating disorder and I just think like that just tells you like well once you like work past it or whatever I mean, I still struggle, and I don't want to, like, try to make you think that I don't struggle. I was like, the first few years for me, it was all about just fighting the food and all that stuff. Yeah, Yeah. so, like, I mean, and there comes times when you struggle that it becomes more about the eating disorder. And I remember a couple months ago, I had a therapy session, and I I was talking about the eating disorder. And with my new therapist that I, I currently see, I had never talked about the eating disorder with her. 
And so I knew at that point that I was like, oh, I'm probably struggling a little bit because when it comes back to the food, it's like that's why you're avoiding. You're avoiding something. Something deeper has been triggered. Mm. That's a good point. That's true. I think when I struggle the most um, and that that's kind of the topic that, yeah, there's a lot underneath. But, like, I think sometimes when things become the most challenging, it's like – the, the food issues and the eating disorder, the control, like, takes precedence almost, yeah, to protect you. I mean, and that's ultimately what it has done and will do. And I think once we have come to realize that ourselves, that it's, like, it's not, um, it doesn't have to be such a fight. Like, it's not an enemy. Uh, it was there to protect you and save you at some point. And, I mean, obviously now it's no longer doing, it's causing more harm than protection, but it's realizing that it serves a purpose. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think when you, like, I don't know, there's times that I'm like, why do I even need to recover, you know? And why is it important to, you know, to dig deeper and figure out that it isn't about the food? But, like, when you are struggling with your eating disorder, it comes with, like, a lot of baggage. And eating disorder, it's not about the food, Right, but like what happens when you engage in those eating disorder behaviors and your body starts to catch up, you know? And unfortunately, like eating disorders are deadly. And uh, I think Sarah and I both have known people who have passed away that from their eating disorders. Yeah. And it is sad and it is like scary and eating disorders have the highest mortality rate out of any psychiatric illness. And because there's medical complications that come from, you know, binging, purging, starvation, overexercise, and it's just so many health consequences that come from that. And also it's just a lot of emotional distress comes with that, which just affects every other aspect of your life. So it's like this thing that you, that was protecting you for a long time is actually now what's killing you. Oh, dang, that, that just hit me. I didn't expect it to, but <laughs> yeah, I think that thing that um, you cling to that you think is protecting you when you realize the damage that it's doing and um yeah I don't know I guess there's a couple things we want to go I guess talk about today and and we could definitely have episodes by themselves like about intuitive eating or the various um just like all the facts about eating disorders I think we just want to touch a little bit here and there of a lot of things in just a short time we don't want to take a ton of time today but I think we want to share maybe a little bit of our experience and then like what intuitive eating is or like, you know, healing, recovery, things like that. And it's definitely all a process that's ongoing for sure. Yeah. I think we could have like episodes devoted because there's just like we've said, there's just so much. Um, But yeah, we just want to share a little bit of our stories and Hopefully you can find some relation or aha moments or just connection with our vulnerability. Um, Yeah. Sarah, where did you want to start? 
Um, you know, I guess I'll share. I'll just kind of start a little bit about my, I guess, how it all started for me, which actually has been kind of hard in preparation for this episode, is that I had a hard time really tracking it back to... I mean, I remember kind of when it started, but even then, I wasn't aware of it. So I'm kind of, and it's been so long, like, oh, 17 years, I guess, which is rough. Um, and there's been good times in between there. And I mean, honestly, as you look back and as you do more, like, digging deep and, and where it all stemmed from, a lot of times you realize that it was very early on in childhood, even before maybe you decided to do those behaviors. I think a lot of it began when I was honestly five or six. Like I, you know, comparing with my best friend and um, getting on the scale, like ever since I was five, I can tell you every every number, every weight, and um, and then just paying attention to things like sugar and food and uh, my body and comparing. And I grew up in a home that was very much just all about diet, body. Um, both my parents actually, um, my dad for sure struggled with the same eating disorder and was hospitalized. And um, yeah, so just some of that stuff. And then I think by the time I was um, in eighth grade is for sure when I had made decisions about, um, just, yeah, restricting in my body. And it was all about certain sizes. And, uh, and honestly, as I look back more, um, I was afraid of like, I guess my body changing and growing and different things that I wasn't maybe prepared for, or that I already had struggles with like being in my own body and what that meant. And, um, and I don't think I recognized that. And, um, and yeah. And so I would, yeah, just have certain behaviors and plans. But to me, it was just who I was. It was how I found control. It was never like a problem or an issue. And it was very just like secretive. And I was, I don't know, super independent and then also just kind of with sports um the sports I did were pretty like aesthetic as far as um like swimming gymnastics tumbling and then running and all that so um and that just progressively I guess got worse as I went to high school and and did those sports and just kind of for me it wasn't so much like Hollywood or magazines, but it was kind of like those professional athletes in those fields for me. And like, I don't know, looking at ice skaters and gymnasts and swimmers and just wanting to be that way. And, and, uh, and then also just comparing with my like friends and then how I thought I needed to be. Um, yes, very much perfectionism. I mean, you know, all A's, all honors, super involved, class body president, those kind of things, like very, um, that's just what you did. Like, that's how you were and you had to represent that. And I don't think it was until maybe my junior year, junior and senior year for sure, like just kind of teachers, well, maybe freshman year, I remember some teachers like, are you okay? Like what's going on or what's happening at home or like, and then, yeah, later on coaches, like even telling my mom like, Hey, your daughter's not okay. Or like, do you, 
Sarah's sick, like, and, and just my mom even being in denial. So that really, um, contributed to some things there. Um, but I want to keep things kind of private as far as some of the things I share. So, um, but yeah, just other people noticing and, and saying things, other like adults in my life. And, and I just honestly still didn't think I had a problem. I was completely unaware. And I went back in some journals a couple months ago and realized just how much I was hurting and like even physically. But the things I said were like, you know, this is happening to my body and I don't understand why. And so it was like, I was completely unaware, um, until the end of my senior year when, um, things were pretty bad and, and just the fear of like all the transition going to college and the reality that, you know, my life was pretty changing, pretty massively. And I was, you know, going to be moving pretty far from home and, and everything. And so I think, all of it just started to, to hit me. And, um, yeah. And so then that's when my parents still didn't like, weren't really involved, but a lot of like my coaches, teachers, things like that. And, uh, yeah. And then I started to get help, but it was still in denial and didn't want to get better. And so it wasn't until my freshman year of college, um, I was, seeing a therapist and dietitian and then, um, ended up having to go to treatment. That was my first time. And then, um, yeah. And, and I mean, at that time, I think it was still like a matter of, it was all about the food and like just my way of control. Everything was about control. And, um, and, and then I just wanted to be super compliant to get out of there. And so Mm -hmm. I could go back and have my life how I wanted it like maybe a little bit better because you know I kind of didn't want to die and like it was pretty bad so I wanted to like maybe just be okay enough but like have it how I wanted it (laughs) and and not how they uh expected recovery I was like no and so yeah so I struggled through the years and um and um yeah and I, I mean Unfortunately, it's gotten a lot worse over time in different ways, but um, also I've had some good moments and a lot of learning, and and uh, and I, I still hold on, I guess, to hope and a little bit more grace and compassion that, like, this journey isn't over and it will take time because it didn't happen overnight and it's not going to heal overnight. So I guess was, that's just the basics. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there a time that you remember, like, um, admitting like, like fully to yourself, like, oh, I have a problem like this. I need help. Was it, do you think it, maybe it was like this last year or like 2019 or what do you think? Well, actually, now that you say that, I think it was a number of times throughout like relapses or struggles when it would get really bad. Probably the summer after my senior year, I kind of, it was had some breakdowns there and people that were like, you're going to die. And, and I think I, I had just driven my body to the very end and to the point of, yeah, doing really stupid things like in the middle of the heat of the summer and just like, um, yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, maybe a moment there and maybe a moment before going into treatment, (laughs) my freshman year of college, and then, um, probably 2017 some major things well in 2012 so I mean yeah it was probably 
throughout those years when things would get way worse and really low and scary, like I would admit to it and that I needed help. But then I was so terrified of getting help that I'd either resist it and like run away from it and like shut everyone out and not go back to treatment and things like that. Um, or I would just try to like pull up my bootstraps and get better enough to like, um, look okay on the outside, but in my head, it was probably the worst, even when I looked like I was the most recovered. And so, um, so I, I can't say it was like one time, but I would say it's, it's so tricky too. I think that's the hard thing for me and maybe why I feel the most like shame about this topic and like doing this is because like, I'll like have these low points, but then once I do okay enough or once I get to a place where I can like feel like I control it, it's like I um, just want to like be fine enough to like not need help and try to like live with it rather than live a life fully recovered without it. And like, I mean, and that's the hard thing, you guys, is I don't want to be like a hypocrite and be like, hey, you guys, full recovery is possible. And but the thing is, I guess I have to hold on to the hope and all the other things that we talk about, like in recovery and healing trauma is that like, I just hold on to the hope that there are other people out there who truly have like healed and recovered and have moved on that I, I just have to hold on to that hope for myself and for others as well and like give them that hope. But that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Um, and I think, I think, well, I hope that the people who listen are, feel more connection in us, str- like struggling and sharing our struggle rather than us being like, oh yeah, we're recovered. Like, oh, by no means. Like it's a daily thing. <laughs> yeah. Like we're like, I I can't speak for Sarah, but I'm not, you know, like I still struggle every single day and I still get help. So like you can, you can struggle and you can, you can be vulnerable and you can struggle and you can also find connection in the mess, you know, like I think I would find, I think, and that's why Sarah and I have such a, um, interesting like friendship because we have seen like the struggle I mean it's our friendship isn't based on the struggle but it's like that connecting when just like we mentioned in the um episode um it's all about connection when I was able to see Sarah be super vulnerable and be you know not okay that that's when I found like connection so yeah what about for you, Cass? Like, where did this all begin for you? Or did you, when did you realize that you had a problem? Because even in treatment, you said you were in denial. So, like, at what point mm-hmm. for you? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Lead us, lead us down your story, my friend. <laughs> um, well, I, I can remember, like, having an eating disorder in, in ninth grade. And a lot was happening at that time. So, I thought it was interesting. I didn't know, like your timeline and our timelines are so similar. It's just, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So like I can remember ninth grade, 10th grade and like struggling and in 11th grade, um, I was on a drive. I can specifically remember. And I was on a drive with like my best friend at the time we were listening to music and 
It was like the middle of the night, you know, teenagers go like drive around in the car, <laughs> listen to music with the windows down. And, All angsty and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I turned down the volume and I can specifically remember exactly where we were. And I turned down the volume and I looked at her because she was driving. And I looked at her and I was like, so-and-so, I think I have an eating disorder. And like I said it super quietly. And she was like, oh, I know you do. And then we turned up the music and kept driving. (laughs) So, like, I mean, obviously it was in my head at that time, and I knew something was off. I don't remember, like, you know, like, that I needed help, but it wasn't until, like, I went to college that people started, um, people as in, like, my stepmom, she noticed, and I went and saw, like, a therapist down there and I was just there was comments being made about um just what I was doing and how I was not okay and the way I was looking and all of that and I was like convinced that there was nothing wrong and I remember going out to dinner with like my my stepmom and my dad and like my stepmom knew there was something wrong and she mentioned it's funny because you said somebody talked to your mom about it and and my stepmom actually talked to my dad and was like Cassie has an eating disorder (laughs) and I think it's I mean it's not my you know it's not anybody's fault for not saying anything because like again it's so vulnerable it's so like scary and it's so taboo to talk about that it wasn't talked about and um I think for years went by after that, and I um, was, you know, getting sick all the time, all the things that come with having an eating disorder, and I, oh, I was at, I was at work one day, and I got confronted by some, a boss, and she said, you need help? And, like, you need to go somewhere or you won't have a job here anymore, basically. And, I mean, she, like, in a caring way, like, because it was just not a good, like, it wasn't like she was threatening me because I had an eating disorder. It was like, this is like a, I don't want you to die kind of thing, you know. I want you to go get help. So um, I reached out to this treatment center and I called them and I was driving in the car while talking on the phone and I was like, hi. So, like, one time I went to therapy here, but it's, like, highly unlikely I might have depression or maybe anxiety, but probably not. Oh, also, it's very unlikely, but I might have an eating disorder, but highly unlikely. (laughs) And I remember, I literally talked to the... That was some denial and some defensiveness. Oh, I literally talked (laughs) to the receptionist, poor receptionist at the time. It's just like, okay, let me get you in touch with somebody. And, yeah, and it was in treatment that... Like, so obviously I went to see a therapist and a dietitian and they were like, oh, hi, you need help. And I was like, oh, hi, bye. I don't need help. And so it, it, it took two years, like, after. So I think that happened in, like, 2015. And it wasn't until 2017 that I actually went and got help because anytime they told me I had an eating disorder, I left and never went back. Like, every different therapist that I saw that told me that, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And, yeah, so 2017 was rough, and I think it wasn't until, like, I honestly think that it wasn't until 2019 that I, like, actually was like, oh, this is, like, kind of a problem. 
and this is a big deal. So, yeah, it was, like, for me, my story was, like, more denial. And still, sometimes I even ask if I have an eating disorder. <laughs> I do ask my dietitian maybe maybe once every other month, and I'll be like, are we sure I have an eating disorder? <laughs> She'll be like, definitely. <laughs> She's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Anyway, but yeah, my story was just, I was in denial for a long time that like when I finally knew the truth, I was like, oh, I do. And I wanted people to know like, hey, I actually have an eating disorder. Like, so I'm more open. Like, I mean, obviously it's not something I tell like a random stranger on the street, but it's something that I tell people that I'm friends with because it matters and I'm in recovery and I care about my recovery so I'm trying to protect it and I can only protect it if people know about it Mm, that was beautiful I love that you can only protect you know if people know yeah yeah if they don't know they could do harm you know and I think a lot of people like don't mean to or inadvertently do so because their own conditioning like just like with you know friends with diet culture fitness and you know, different challenges and competitions mm, and, and yeah. it can be quite damaging. And yeah. you got to hold those boundaries and that's something that's definitely been tricky. Yeah. Um, I also think I want to mention like that it wasn't until probably, I want to say honestly these last six months or eight months or year, less than a year, have really been when I'm like, oh my gosh, the eating disorder is such a side effect of X, Y, Z you know, like trauma mm. or, yeah. you know, so many other things. And, and that took me a long time. I've been struggling with an eating disorder for like 12 years, but, and in recovery for only, a, you know, three or four, but like, I didn't realize, how did I not realize that it was, it was not about the food and it was about everything else, you know? Mm, that's true. Yeah. And I think I, I we don't want to take like too much longer I think we'll probably end up having a whole nother episode about like intuitive eating and things like that but I mean ultimately like yeah we've we've shared portions of our story um and at the end of it you know it ended up it wasn't about the food but that was a a lot of times you'll hear it's about control and that's really what but why you know and I think but why control why did you need that where did you lose it in your life or Why was it a sense of safety? Why do you need to be this certain way to feel um, like safe in your own body, in your own skin? Or, um, and I think that's something, yeah, that I'm learning more so in the past year, two years more so. And I've had little inklings here and there, but I think now it's really becoming a major reality for me is that um, it is such a major thing that I, or coping skill that I like survival that for me to feel safe in my body and my own skin and for control and those certain behaviors and things to feel some semblance of safety. And it all, all came down to because of the moments and the times where I wasn't safe or, um, didn't have control. And so it came down to that. And I think that's kind of just what we want to bring up, especially if you know someone or like, you know, have, um, a child or sibling or spouse or whatever, you know, someone that you care about that is struggling that if you're trying to, you know, say, Oh, just eat or stop doing that. Mm. Or, no, no. you know, you need to 
you know, stay here and not do that behavior, that that's not what it's about. And I think it's so important to ask questions like, hey, what's going on? Or I noticed that you do X, Y, Z. Do you want to talk about it? Or like, uh, hey, like I noticed that you're getting anxious around food or whatever. Um, Is there something underneath that? You know, like it's okay to ask those questions. And I think especially if it's someone that you love and care about, that they, they're going to understand it comes from a loving place. And maybe not at first. Believe me, I was so resistant and probably a little bit rude when people <laughs> would say things. And I'd be like, no, leave me alone. Get away from me. Oh, yeah. Or don't, I don't want that. And I, I did some not nice things. So, um, yeah. I think there's times in all of our like eating disorder like journeys that we've all said and done things to people that we wish we wouldn't have and we look back and we're like oh that was probably not me talking and that was my struggle talking yeah but like definitely don't give up either way uh regardless of what side you're on and who you are like don't give up asking don't give up trying don't push people away and I mean I say that and I still do it but like just keep challenging that and let people in because you know again, like we're, we're meant to do this journey of called life together. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Well, that's a little bit of our story and a little bit into eating disorders and just guys just know that it's, it's not about the food. Thanks so much. Um, we look forward to talking to you more about topics like this. Thanks. See ya.